Good afternoon to all of our fellow health enthusiasts. My name is Aubrey Mast and I'm a professor of nutrition. This is a new podcast developed by my friend and colleague, Dr. Charles Benz, and we call the show Healing Trends with Dr. Benz. We search the internet every day to find the best scientific studies that can be used to improve the health of every interested person. You will not see many of these studies in the conventional media because most doctors do not have the time or the interest in finding them. There are also special interests that are less than enthusiastic about you knowing about the studies. Every week we will explore nutritional science that has the potential to prevent and even reverse 90% of chronic illness. This could save many lives and help to stop the healthcare crisis that will eventually bankrupt our country. This is frequently called functional medicine and it has been adopted by thousands of doctors as well as medical schools and hospitals, including the Cleveland Clinic. Today's program is entitled The Secrets of Eating for Good Health. Hello, Dr. Benz. Hey, Aubrey. Uh, I'm excited to be on today's program because the, your, your topic is going to be uh, the feature uh, in this one. And uh, later on, we're going to tape one that's going to be uh, fairly new on heart disease. So um, there's exciting times out there because people are finding out more and more about their health every day. I mean, COVID, if there's any good thing that's come out of this, is that people seem to be paying a lot more attention to their health. And uh, I, I think this is a great opportunity to say, look, one of the major things that you can do is to eat better. And yet I hear people saying, I don't have the time. I'm so busy. I just, uh, you know, I just can grab a bite and, and get on with it because they really, too many of them think food is food and it really doesn't matter whether it's healthy or not. But for years, we've had this problem of people saying, there's not enough time to do the right shopping. There's not enough time to do the right cooking. My kids don't like certain things, so I'm, I'm going to settle and let them eat whatever they like. There's so many of these kinds of problems. And so today I'm hoping you're going to give us some answers about this time problem and about buying the right foods and preparing the right foods and making them really taste great and you know not cost an arm and a leg. So there's a challenge for you. What do you got? <laughs> <laughs> teeing me up huh um well i think it's just so relevant you know like when we're all coming off of thanksgiving at this point in time if you're listening to the podcast when it is um launching and it's such a conversation that keeps um circulating in my arena but then in everyone's arena of like oh well i'd want i want to eat better i know i should eat better but how do i eat better and why can't i eat better and i think there's several pieces there that we have to unpack and the convenience factor is one of them we have this natural perception that eating healthfully um is not as convenient as eating processed foods or fast foods and yeah there's some argument to that of like it's definitely easier to drive through, you know, Chick-fil-A or McDonald's or Burger King or Taco Bell than it is to spend time in your kitchen. But I also think that's where we've gotten really wrong. One of my teachers at one point in time in my education once told me that the first place that we should seek um, a pharmacy is within our own kitchen. And that really struck me of like, oh, I'm either creating health or I am contributing to my illness by what I am doing within my kitchen or the lack of time I'm spending in my kitchen or how much time I'm spending in preparation. So I think there's some real easy takeaways that don't have to break the, break the bank, that they don't have to be very daunting in ways that we can reconnect with our food that we see uh, is really relevant from like the blue zones. And so one of the places that 
I like to keep talking about is these blue zones where we have evidence of, you know, civilizations and countries and um, locations that are practicing what we would describe as the slow food manifesto, where they're reconnecting with their food and how their food is procured, how it's prepared, how it's shared, and what are the nutrients of the food. And I think that's the place where we run into this conversation about convenience is that in several generations, we have lost the knowing of how to prepare our own food. And I see this firsthand. This is part of the reason why I'm a chef, but this is also what I see within my students and my clients that when we talk about how do you make these dietary changes, I'm quickly met with, well, I don't cook. I don't know how to prepare food. And so we have to begin there with some basic skill sets. And one of the easiest things you can do in the kitchen is boil water, right? And boiling water can lead to boiling rice, boiling beans that are dried. And those two things are staples that we can make on a Saturday, on a Sunday, and have them utilized in multiple meals throughout the week. They're also really, really inexpensive. We've gotten into this habit of grabbing quick make rice, you know, instant rice and canned beans. But there's problems with those things. And the instant rice, we're missing the cell walls of the rice, which is why it can be cooked so instantly. There's a lot of chemical compounds which add to toxicity and inflammation that we find in those rice packets. With the beans, they're also really a lot lower in their fiber concentration, their phytochemical concentration, which are those color compounds we know will impact diseases and disease prevention are degraded. And there's toxicity within the canned beans because they're very acidic. And so what we have lined the cans with has leached into the beans. So one of the easiest places I tell most people I work with to begin is get dried beans or get dried rice and soak it overnight. Now we can get into varying ways at this point in time of like, do you add seaweed into it? And why would you add seaweed into it? Where do you find seaweed? Um, We can talk about ways that we would amplify those two types of foods. But the piece of it is, is if we soak it overnight, we start the fermentation process. We start to break down the cell walls. And then here's the kicker. We rinse it ahead of time and then we just soak it and we cook it in whatever water we have soaked it in so that the phytochemicals are actually lodged within the foods that we are soaking. And that will give us a meal throughout the week multiple times. And we can use it in multiple ways from making burritos to adding beans on salads to making a soup. And it's pre-made for us. And the thing about soaking is that it cuts down on cooking time. And so those tactics are really easy ways and also really affordable ways for people to begin to start to build that um, efficacy and that confidence in the kitchen to, oh, if I can make beans and rice, then I can certainly start chopping onions or um, juice a rutabaga, right? Does that start us in a good trend? Wow, that's a great trend. And as you were thinking, I was inspired to to think about uh, a formula that I've been working on that for every minute that you spend not preparing the food, buying it and preparing it properly, you spend 10 minutes later in your life dealing with a disease, either in the pharmacy or the doctor's office or the hospital. 
So just multiply all the time you saved uh, by doing it the convenience way, and then multiply that times 10. And then that's, the re that's probably the amount of time as a minimum that you're going to spend dealing with an illness, either buying medications, going to the hospital, or going to the doctor. 10 to 1, probably more like 20 or 30 to 1, but I'm going to say as a minimum, every minute that you think you saved, you ended up really costing yourself 10 to 20 minutes of real problems later on. So you can pay attention now or you can pay attention later. I don't think people think about that. So I'm going to add that to, to, to the equation. This time is extremely well spent. And so what are the nutrient dif differences? I mean, do you really know uh, in, in terms of the foods that you just talked about, the beans and the, and the legumes and the, and the rice, what things are there get, that they're getting that they're not going to get if they go the quick food route? What are the key things they're, they're, they're getting from that? basic approach that you just outlined? Well, they're not getting as high a fiber concentration. And if we look at preventing cancer or heart disease, fiber is the key piece. How do I reduce toxicity loads? How do I decrease inflammation in my body? It correlates with what kind of alkaline rich vegetables are we eating, but also how much fiber are we consuming? And so we see that there's a, a huge loss in those instant gratifications of the beans that are canned and the instant rice or the instant couscous. The fiber is lower, but we also see that there is a loss of these phytochemical concentrations. And those phytochemicals are what is impacting our mitochondrial and our cellular health to really support the immune system. And so there is a trade-off with going the convenience route, especially if we look at like canned beans, right? There's sodium in them. Um, a lot of times we have to add preservatives to make them shelf stable. And that can indirectly influence what our, where our blood pressure is at. Um, but also I think like as from a culinary perspective as a chef, the flavor profiles are so different. The consistency profiles are so different. A lot of people don't like beans because they're mushy. Well, they don't get as mushy when you are um, soaking them overnight and then preparing them that way. The same thing with rice is that you have actual texture to it or any of your grains. And so there is a culinary and a flavor profile that has changed, but then also a nutrient profile that's changed. So there's more, probably more B vitamins uh, yeah. in, 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 these, uh, in, these, in these rice. And, uh, in the grains uh, and rice. The grains yeah. and rice. And, and when, you, when you take the fiber away, then you've almost created this, what they call a simple carbohydrate, which burns Completely. almost like sugar. I, I mean, it gets into your body within 15 or 20 minutes, whereas those, those fibrous uh, grains, that takes an hour or two. So you get this slow release of the sugar. And so, in, 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 and then we have this bad system of, of not measuring sugar correctly. We do uh, uh, fasting blood tests. And people are diabetic for two or three hours after they eat a meal. But when you fast, then all this sugar goes away and your blood sugar looks good. And so you don't know that you're pre-diabetic or diabetic because they're using the wrong tests. So that's the other thing about these simple carbohydrates. They are just, they're, they're disease ready to, ready to happen. And it may take 10 or 15 years for it to happen, but it's, it's building. And then you're getting this oxidative stress because the sugar is circulating in your, in your arteries all the time. So 
whole grains with the fiber are the key to not only the fiber and the beef vitamins, but also not getting these simple carbohydrates causing all this damage to your arteries. Okay, that's great. That was step one. Now, take me up another level. What, what, what's the next thing? Because a lot of people say, well, I'm single. You know, I, I, don't, I don't eat that much. I can't cook for one person, blah, blah, blah. And then we have the working mom. She's the one that says, I don't have time to fight with my kids about this. I'll just let them eat. The pediatrician says they're okay as long as they're at a healthy weight. Boy, is that a bunch of hooey. So help, help me dispel that risk. That, and then we'll get into the aging people. But let's go with the single uh, people, uh, moms and uh, guys and gals, but also the single moms, or at least the moms that are working moms that have to do all the cooking and all the, because they usually don't have a husband that's ready to do this, although there are some. But fill me in on the kinds of foods that they should be making for their kids for their lunch, uh, for their breakfast, to get them out the door, because a lot of, a lot of kids don't eat a really good breakfast. So... What do you do with your child? Because I know you have one that's nine years old or something like that. So you're right up in that category. So what, what are you up to? Yeah, and I'm a working mother that has been a single mother for the majority of his life. So I get this conversation of like, oh, well, it's got to be convenient and it's got to be quick because, you know, we're doing a thousand other things. Um, and for single individuals, I have been that as well. And so, you know, I, I am a huge proponent of freezing food, actually of making a, a, a normal sized um, meal and then freezing into portions so that it's an easy fix later down the line. Um, and this includes like making a big pot of soup on a Sunday that I'm just dumping some stuff into for, you know, a two to three hours of boiling process. And then my son and I will eat it that night or the next day. And then I can freeze it into smaller partitions for his lunch and weeks to come, months to come. Um, you know, I think that it, we have to go back to more of a holistic um, food plate, if you will. And then that holistic food plate where I see that the majority of the foods on it should be fruits and vegetables with a grain, with a bean and a legume. And then a, if we're going to use animal products, a very small amount of animal products. Um, and so I like breakfast wise, I am a huge proponent of how do we get as many servings of fruits and vegetables in at one time. And so oatmeals um, are a great place where, you know, like the oatmeal that I served my son this morning had berries in it and chia seeds in it and flax seeds in it um, and had three to five different types of berries in it um, and then had whole grains in it. And so in that one meal, he is getting a serving of grains. He's getting extra flax seed that is delivering omegas and extra fiber. And then he's got three to five servings of berries before he walks out the door. And the oatmeals, you know, can take anywhere from five to 15 minutes. I soak steel cut oats overnight. So then it takes 10 minutes to boil it down. I think doing those types of activities, he's also making sure that there's smoothies in the house are really great ways to ensure that before the kids are even out the door, before you're out the door going to work, that you're having a high nutrient load. I'm. This is where I am a proponent of nutraceuticals, where if I you look at my smoothie, in my smoothie I'm consuming 18 servings of fruits and vegetables because I'm using a nutraceutical powder, actually multiple nutraceutical powders that have a very high concentration of fruits and vegetables in it because that way the rest of my day I'm just adding 
to my fruits and vegetable servings. That way I'm starting my day with the highest load that I possibly can. Well, wow, that's fantastic. You know, like my grandson's about the same age as your son. And, and he, he started his green drink uh, thing with uh, nine helpings of fruits and vegetables when he was like three or four months old. And he's been doing it ever since. And the other thing is that my, my daughter-in-law has gotten him involved in the cooking process. And so he's, he's been cutting his own vegetables, his own fruits. He's been recommending foods when they go shopping. He's going down the aisle and saying, Mommy, we need that. And then she'll pick something with too much sugar and she'll go, he'll go, no, mommy, that's too much sugar. You know grandpa's not going to like that. <laughs> so mm -hmm. He's policing. He's now at the age where he's policing her through what he's learned from me. And it's just, it's just fantastic. And so now he's got onto this thing of eating at least two vegetables every morning. And he sends me pictures of his plate that shows these two vegetables that he's included in his meal, right? And I think this is the way that, that people should do it. And there's even uh, programs in uh, school around grade uh, four, five, and six that Antonia Demas started years ago. And uh, she got these kids to be involved in these classes. They learned geography, they learned nutrition, they learned different cultures, and they ended up creating foods that they put into the cafeterias and these were the kids who created these foods, and they're the ones that are the most popular in the schools that she's put them in. Mm -hmm. And so involving kids in an early age in this whole selection and, and cooking process, it's just genius. Because then they overcome all these fears and misperceptions about what's good and what isn't good. And they, their taste buds get used to things that are a little bit different than normal. And... You just have to say, well, try it you know, and see whether you like it or not. What do you do kind of make the foods taste a little better? I mean, there's tricks I know that you, know, you can put sort of a sauce of some kind of healthy cream on a sauce on a broccoli and, and make it look better. With some of, what are some of those tricks that you use? Yeah, so I, I am a huge proponent of like... We, have, we all love comfort foods, right? But if we think about comfort foods, most of the time the comfort foods are filled with junk. They're just not great for us. And so I have taken it as a personal challenge of like, how do I create comfort foods, but healthy, right? So mac and cheese is one of those ones that everybody's like, oh, I love mac and cheese. It's a comforting food. It helps me feel warm. It helps fill me up. Okay, so what can we do in place of how we would normally make mac and cheese, which is with a ton of dairy, a ton of butter, um, you've got really simple carbohydrates, so the blood glucose levels are going up, we're contributing to cholesterol levels. And so I love that conversation because we can also make mac and cheese that's really delectable with vegan butter, nutritional yeast for all of our B vitamins, butternut squash and some pumpkin in there and carrots with a cashew cream sauce. So there we're getting all of our beta carotene and our carotene, carotenoids and our vitamin A. Um, and we're also getting the cashews. So we're getting a bunch of fiber there. We're also getting a good, healthy polyunsaturated fatty fat acid there. We're also getting protein that's not animal-based. And then we can pair it with noodles that are lentil-based um, or chickpea-based. So there's bean noodles. So we're there again, we're getting a protein source, but also a fiber rich source. And when I make this for individuals, people are like, oh wait, this is just as good. 
And I'm like, I know. And you're getting these servings of fruits and vegetables in that you would not normally get along with the protein, the fiber, the fat. And it takes no longer than making a normal mac and cheese. And so with sauces, I really rely on what food as medicine says, which is, you know, use spices very heavily to increase the flavor. Food does not need to be bland. It's bland when we think everything has to be overly salted. So if we use spices like turmeric and cumin and cardamom um, and allspice and cinnamon and nutmeg, we can actually increase the flavor and also increase how many phytochemicals we're getting into the body. And for the sauces, you know, making a cream sauce with coconut milk, because that's going to give you a healthy form of fat without increasing your cholesterol levels, without increasing um, atherosclerosis risks, is really a great option. Or swapping out dairy for oat milk if you're really looking for the cream aspect. And then using nutritional yeast, using um, curry powders, but really relying heavily on the spices to amplify whatever foods you're consuming is what, to me one of the easiest tricks that we have in, our, in the book because you're helping support that immune system function, you're decreasing acidity, and you're reducing inflammation while delivering a high load of phytochemicals. Now, I know you, you may or may not be ready for this question, but people are gonna look for resources. I mean, they're gonna say, where is there a website? Where is there a book? Do you have any good resources that you can refer people to so that they can see these uh, recipes and that they can see these, these items that you're, you're proposing and they can leaf through it and find the things that they think are right for their family. Absolutely. I mean, I have a course that is out on how to change your diet and it delivers um, recipes, but I also rely really heavily on Dr. Michael Greger. It's G-R-E-G-E-R. -E -E he wrote a book called How Not to Die. And he also has a How Not to Die cookbook. And he also is in charge of, um, oh, a website that, I think it's nutritionfacts.org. And he will deliver the very content that we're talking about along with the science that backs up. Why would you switch out milk to coconut milk? How do you do that? What are the recipes that go along with it? So I would check out nutritionfacts.org or his book, How Not to Die, um, the cookbook. And it is packed with information. Cool, cool. Okay, that's that that's great. I wanted to get that up there so that, that people, because uh, we can only say so much in a half an hour. And, you know, I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of recipes in, in these books. So that's great. Um, the other thing that I know that, that, that is a big challenge is snacks. Kids are always looking for snacks. I try to avoid uh, anything that even looks like a like a potato chip uh, because there's so much fat in them that are saturated fat. And so I in the past, I've recommended things like apples and almond butter um, or you know raw vegetables with a with a garlic and cheese dip. And so what are some of the snacks that uh, that 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 your son likes and that you find in your recipes that, you know, mothers are able to put out there and kids are able to say, wow, mom, that's the best thing I've ever tasted. What uh, they, We need these ideas. So what do you got? Yeah. Well, one, I'm a proponent of if uh, 
If you buy it, they're gonna eat it. And so that goes with Oreos. Maybe you shouldn't be buying them, right? Because if they're in the house, they're gonna be eaten. The same thing with Cheetos. Um, and so I am actually a proponent of like, just if you know it's not a good snack food, there's no need to purchase it, um, which most snack foods are not. So in our house, there is a lot of applesauce. There is a lot of plant-based yogurts. Um, my son is notorious for doing seaweed snacks or seaweed chips. That's as, cl that's as close as he gets to a chip. Um, and there's lots of trail mixes. He loves to make our own type of trail mix. So we will buy different kinds of nuts. We'll buy coconut. We will buy different types of dried berries um, and seeds. And he likes to throw a little bit of dark chocolate in there on occasion. And that is one of his go-to snacks. Additionally, we do a lot of frozen peas. He's uh, one of those I don't know, odd kids because he's my son, I guess, um, <laughs> that loves to eat frozen peas or frozen berries is another great um, snack idea for us. Um, and, you know, we don't consume dairy products. And so he'll have vegan based cheeses. But most of his snacks, as he has been encouraged by me, are going to be fruits and vegetables. I don't really have snacks in the house that are highly processed. Um, even healthful, highly processed snacks because of this blood glucose conversation and how quickly it becomes elevated. Wow. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's fantastic because my grandson is the same. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's tempting to, to buy these processed foods, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad that he's the watchdog now and, and, and starts to uh, monitor that kind of thing because then he, he becomes his own, his own coach. The thing that this uh, I've I've heard about more about this, and uh, there's this this study from the Aging Institute, where they showed that people who as they got older they changed their eating habits and and they become less interested in nutrition. And what that's turning out to be is a deficiency in vitamin C, vitamin E, zinc, and selenium, and that's sort of driving them towards the chronic illness state. And there's no need to do that. I mean, the Japanese don't do that. They live 10 years longer than we do because they're eating things from the sea, like the seaweed and the kelp that you talked about. And they're ha they have their vegetable gardens and they, they do take supplements as well. So just give me a minute or two about the aging. And then if you can, finish up and tell me about where you think this calorie distribution should be because I try to get about 50% of my calories in the morning at breakfast, 25 at lunch, 25 at dinner. But I also know a lot of people are talking about intermittent fasting. They try to stop eating at 7 and don't eat again until 10 or 11. And so those are my final kind of salvos. You can answer as many of them you can in a couple of minutes. <laughs> sure. I mean, I think with aging, what we really need to pay attention to is what we're seeing with type 3 diabetes, which is the precursors for Alzheimer's disease. And that's having a diet um, and a dietary pattern that's really high in saturated fat. So we're talking about animal-based products and processed foods. So swapping out for healthier fats, which would be coming from the form of nuts and seeds, um, olive oil as well. And so paying attention to where, what are the oils that we're looking at? Dr. Elstein and Dr. Dean Ornish have extensively studied this of removing a lot of the oils and the salad dressings that we have because they are components of what's increasing 
um, aging within the body and oxidation within the body. I think as we age also, we need to be even more extensively focused on how do we reduce inflammation. So that is really the conversation and the cornerstone of increasing our phytochemical load. So using those nutraceuticals or using the spices and the herbs that we know of that carry the highest auric or antioxidant values that we can find. And to your point around um, the calorie distribution, I think making sure that in the morning, when if we are doing intermittent fasting, which I am a complete proponent of, um, that the first meal that we're consuming is as densely packed with nutrients, vitamins and minerals and phytochemicals as we can possibly get. In traditional Chinese medicine, we see the distribution that you talked about, 75 in the morning and then 20 to 10 in the evening. Um, and in Ayurvedic medicine, we see that there's more of it an even distribution or throughout the day. And so if we look at all of these ancestral applications of using food as medicine, most are saying to eat the, the highest amount of calorie density um, when you are breaking fast and then spend the rest of your day eating foods that are keeping the blood glucose levels stabilized that are really high in fruits and vegetables, especially the fiber, right? And then when we are easing towards the end of our evening, that that's really where we should be eating the least amount um, and it should be the easiest for us to digest. And so no, uh, no potatoes and, and probably not even any rice at dinner time. I, I try to just get uh, two or three vegetables and a, and a small protein, uh, three or four ounces of uh, fish or chicken and, or turkey. And, 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 and that's, a good, that's a good enough meal for me because uh, anything that you eat after that or at that time even gets stored as fat. And so you need protein and you need vegetables. And uh, that way you don't have sugar and you don't have a lot of carbohydrates to deal with. And uh, that way you're not storing fat while you're sleeping. And it's really insane, it's, but it's true. Um, anything else that you'd like to finish off on before we uh, uh, give our sponsors a shout out? Yeah, I just think to th if you're gonna be in the kitchen, Try to be in the kitchen as intelligently as possible, which means pack your foods in as many ways as you can. So if you're making a soup, challenge yourself. How many fruits and how many vegetables can I get into this? If you're making a meatloaf, how could I add lentils to this? How can I add vegetables to this? If you're making a casserole or oatmeal or cereal, how do I increase the phytochemical load that I am consuming? And I think that challenge cannot it is a great place to start in reclaiming our own health. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And and uh, if people still have a microwave, they I think they should throw it away, um, disconnect it, do something. Uh, I I like the the baking uh, bake ovens, and so you can put something in there, and then you can walk away and do something else. And then, bing, there's a sign, you know, and the, <laughs> that, that you've, you've finished your cooking, and then you can come up and eat it. And so, to, to me, overcooking food, which uh, is, is, that's why you, you should cook vegetables lightly so that they're still, uh, you know, kind of fresh tasting and feeling uh, as far as density goes. I don't like it when they're mushy. If you've done that, you've ruined about 80% of the nutrients. And so people need to realize that the more you cook a food, whether it's microwaving or, or boiling it or baking or broiling it, the more nutrients that you're destroying. And so uh, undercook, if anything, and especially vegetables, and 
just make sure that uh, when you do cook something, you pay attention to how much it's cooked and, 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 and how it's spiced and how it's prepared. And uh, I agree with you about the intermittent fasting. So do the slow cooker, do your shopping, and, and do as Aubrey has said, you know, frozen foods are good. Even, even if you can't afford or you don't think you can afford organic vegetables, you can afford organic frozen vegetables. And guess what? They're healthier than some of the fresh non-organic vegetables because of all the pesticides and other things that are in it. So go to the grocery store, save money, buy the, buy the frozen foods, and then you can, you can uh, warm them up and heat them up and uh, you're going to have more nutrients from them than you would in a lot of cases from, from getting fresh foods that are not organic. So those are just some tips and uh, I think we packed a lot in today. I uh, really appreciate your efforts to give people a good base and a foundation for their eating. I hope that a lot more people pay attention to it. Our sponsors today uh, are, uh, as usual, uh, Southern Trust Financial in Sarasota. And uh, Mark there is the CEO. We've been working with Mark and his company for almost 20 years now, trying to educate their, their clients about how important it is to stay healthy and then enjoy any wealth that you've managed to build up in your bank account or your stock portfolio. And so that's what his company does. Southern Trust Financial is well known for concentrating on health as, as well as wealth. And then DHA Labs is a testing company in the Chicago area, and they've been testing uh, what I call advanced testing, and that is finding illness before uh, it happens in, in an actual state, finding it at the cellular level five or ten years before the illness happens. And those are kind of the tests that I've been developing and been promoting on their website, uh, DHA Labs. So uh, if anybody wants to get uh, one of their panels or then they can add something to it, if you have a special test that you want to promote, um, they're able to do that. There's a lot of them on my site at uh, drcharlesbenz.com. And uh, you can take a look at the panels and see if there's one in there. There's one on immunity. There's a couple on cancer. There's a couple on wellness. There's going to be a new one on brain health in the next week or so and another one on heart health within the next week or two. And uh, the other, one of the other companies is Paddock Pools. Paddock Pools has this thing called the vacuum extractor. And they're actually, actually able to take the chlorine gas that comes off the pool and suck it out of the, uh, the, the, the air. And they get about 95% of it out of there. And so then people are breathing really good oxygenated water when they're swimming. And this helps them to stay healthy because if you have too much of this chlorine gas in your lungs, then you kind of deplete your zinc levels and your vitamin D3 levels, which then leads to probably a, a likelihood of some cancer down the road. So swimming is a great exercise, but not if you're going to swim a lot of hours in a pool with this chlorine gas in it. So Paddock Pools is a company, one of the only ones that makes this vacuum extractor. So try to find a pool that has that in it or uh, try to get their next pool that's developed in your community to make sure it has that equipment in there. And the other company is um, uh, MPB Health. MPB Health is a medical cost sharing company. And, and they're, they're kind of like insurance, but they're not insurance because insurance is about 30 to 50% more expensive than MPB Health. And this medical cost sharing is like a cooperative. 
And so all the people there are dedicated to wellness. They're all trying to make sure they're keeping all the costs down, theirs and all the members. And so they do a lot of education. They do a lot of wellness programs. And so I think for small businesses and for individuals, these, this is a new emerging option, these medical cost sharing outfits. So MPB Health, they have a lot of videos and you can call their 800 number and get some information. And I think they've been a great sponsor for us along with our other three sponsors. So thanks very much to them. And thanks for Aubrey being able to give us all that knowledge on uh, how to cook foods and, and how to prepare it and how to stay healthy. Appreciate that very much, Aubrey. And we'll see you the next time. Bye.